0: Father, in Psalm chapter 29, it says that your voice is so powerful that it can break the cedars. In other places in Scripture, we find that you speak with a still, small voice. And this morning, God, we pray that you do whatever it takes, however your voice needs to come to us, that your voice and your voice alone would be what we hear now and would be what we long to hear throughout the coming year. Thank you, Father, for hearing this prayer. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You can go ahead and sit down. As the two walked down the road, their topic of conversation was current events. And you might have had this happen over the Christmas table. You might have uh, talked with family or friends about the things that are going on in the world today. Uh, They were talking about very recent current events. They were talking about things that had just happened. Things that had just taken place. And, And these things had crushed their hopes. They had hoped for something far better from this leader. They had hoped that something greater was going to happen. They had expected a greater experience. And these hopes had been dashed. And as they walked along talking about what had happened, their conversation was extremely sad. You know, sometimes when we look at current events and we see what's happening in the world, we we see things and we, we like to be armchair politicians. We like to be armchair futurists. We like to be armchair sports spectators. We like to uh, evaluate what's going on in the world. And we often feel like we, we understand what's going on. Or if we don't, we'll we'll turn on the news and we hear commentators, news commentators, we'll have people commentating about anything we want to hear them commentating about. We can go to YouTube and hear people's opinions. But it's pretty fascinating. I was thinking about the fact that twenty twenty was a, a year that is a year that has been looked forward to for a long time. It used to be that when people talked about the future, yeah, in twenty twenty, what's going to happen? So I thought, well, what's happened with some of those expectations? And there was an article in the USA Today that actually went through 20 of these, and there's several other articles that I saw. But I just wanted to give you a few predictions that were made. This wasn't too long ago. Ray Kurzweil, a futurist in 1999, said, by the year 2020, life life expectancy will rise to over 100 years of age. He said that this would take place through electronic devices that would monitor our health, and we do see some of that happening with the iWatch, for instance, and what it's able to do, but life expectancy still sits at 72.6 years in the United States. In 2020, another prediction from Sweets and Leyden, an article in 1997, it said in 2020, humans arrive on Mars. This is my favorite, right? In 2020, humans arrive on Mars the four astronauts touch down and beam their images back to the 11 billion people sharing in the moment. Okay, so they're off on a few things. We haven't made it to Mars. There's still 7 billion people on the planet, not 11 billion, but it gets even... worse compared to what they were expecting if you go on to read it. It said the expedition is a joint effort supported by virtually all nations on the planet, the culmination of a decade and a half of intense focus on a common goal. Wouldn't that be nice? If we could agree on anything in our own country, let alone to get all the nations of the world to focus on one common goal? Predictions don't always come true. True. Herman Kahn and Anthony J. Weiner in 1968 says, by 2020, Americans will work 26 hours a week. Wouldn't that be nice? There's some other ones that I really wish had come true. 1966, Time Magazine article said, machines will be producing so much that everyone in the U.S. will be, in effect, independently wealthy. They said, in fact... People without working, the average person without working would make, at the time it was thirty to forty thousand dollars a year, which in today's money would be three hundred thousand dollars a year. Just count on your machines to do your work for you. If you wanted to go out and work on top of that, that's great, but everyone would be making three hundred thousand dollars a year. If only these predictions had come true. Well, interestingly enough, Jesus knows the future. And Jesus joined these two men as they were walking along. And I want you to think about what it would be like to walk with Jesus through 2020. What it's like to hear Jesus' predictions about the future. To understand what He sees is coming. And what that would be like to walk with Jesus. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24 verse 13 and we pick up the story of these two men. These two men with crushed hopes. These two men who have just come off of the Passover weekend in Jerusalem. These two men that we know were disciples of Jesus. Not a part of the twelve famous disciples, but they were, they were two disciples nonetheless. Disciples that were close to Jesus who we don't know all of their interactions with him, but obviously they were in close contact with the other disciples. Passover has come, they're going back with the rest of the pilgrims on Sunday, on the way back from Jerusalem. They've seen some incredible events. They've seen Jesus go to the cross. They've seen Jesus, or they've heard that Jesus has been resurrected, and yet this is their commentary on life and on current events. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. So that would have taken them maybe two hours to walk. And as they walk along, it says, and they talk together of all these things which had happened. And we've just learned about the the crucifixion and all the trial and the farce of a trial that Jesus has been through. And they're talking about these things as they walk along. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, And now they're, they're settling into their armchair and they're looking at what's going on in the world. What are these current events? What, what is the meaning of these things that are happening? But their eyes, well, so while they reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. They're they're focused on what's happening in the world. They're focused on on the disappointed hopes, and and they're restrained from even recognizing who Jesus is. And we'll see that this is a very intentional thing. Verse seventeen. And he said to them, "What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Why is it that you're you're walking along and you're you're heartbroken, you're sad? What is it that you're talking about?" Verse 18 continues, Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? How in the world didn't you hear about what has just taken place? Are you the only one that's not watching Fox News or CNN and you don't understand what's happening in the world today? Are you the only one that hasn't been paying attention? Verse 19 Jesus said to them what things what are you talking about so they said to him the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people he was this amazing prophet he he did these amazing miracles people yeah maybe they told him a few stories this might be the abbreviated version they said he would heal the blind He would raise the the dead. He would heal the lepers. And they're, they're telling him about the amazing miracles that God had done. Amazing in word and deed. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered Him to be condemned to death and crucified Him. You know... When we read about crucifixion, we see it as this beautiful, glorious thing and we wear crosses and we celebrate and we sing about the cross because it's just this wonderful thing. I shouldn't say we wear crosses. I don't wear crosses. But some people wear crosses. They celebrate crosses. But in this day and age, if you were a Roman citizen, you couldn't be crucified. It was so terrible. It was the most shameful, horrendous thing. A a criminal, a slave would be crucified. No honorable person would have this type of death. It was the ultimate shaming of that day and age. And here He is. This mighty prophet has been crucified. And it goes on to say, but we were hoping, this was, this was our prediction, this was our hope for the, for what was going to take place, that it was He who was going to redeem Israel. We, we hoped that He might come and set us free from the Romans. Our idea was that Jesus was going to come and accomplish all these things for us. That was our hope. Sometimes we get it wrong when we look at what has just happened in the world around us. They were hoping. They said, indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Man, you wonder, were they not listening to Jesus all that time? I mean, here they are looking at what's going on in the world and they have no clue about what God is actually up to. And we can't fault them too much. We're pretty bad at predicting what's going to happen on this planet. It's interesting that back in 1959, a Navy submarine, the USS Barbaro, sent 3,000 letters via rocket all addressed to political figures like President... Dwight D. Eisenhower. They they took a nuclear warhead and they replaced it, took the nuclear warhead out and they put mail inside of this rocket. This is the year nineteen sixty nine. They, the missile was launched towards the Naval Auxiliary Air Station and the mail was successfully delivered. And so listen to this. Postmaster General Arthur E. Summerlin was so excited about the historic significance of mail delivery via instruments of war that he predicted it would become commonplace in the next century. He said, mail will be delivered within hours. Can you imagine that? Within hours from New York to California to Britain, to India, or Australia by guided missiles, he said. We stand on the threshold of rocket mail. (laughs) 1959. Imagine if the guy would have predicted email. We would have all thought he was crazy. Here's the thing. When we look at the future we're not even good at predicting who's going to win the presidential election in 2020. We're, we're, we look at events and, and we might even get that right and yet be totally wrong about the trend of current events. We might miss the entire picture if we're looking with our own vision. Just think about the disciples. I mean, had they not been listening to Jesus, even the Pharisees and the priests had been listening to Jesus. Just think about what they said in Matthew, in Luke twenty-four. Uh, we just read that they said after the third day, it's already been the third day. But in Matthew chapter twenty-seven, after Jesus has been crucified, it says this: On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, "Sir." We remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise. Okay, so the chief priests and Pharisees understand that after three days, Jesus predicted that he would rise from the grave. Jesus' disciples talking to Jesus on the road to Emmaus say, "Uh, it's been three days and so we're just really depressed because Jesus was crucified hello weren't they listening jesus had predicted time and time again that after three days i'll rise again time and time again that he was going to the cross if i were jesus at this moment i'm glad i'm not <laughs> i would have revealed myself and said you guys listen to me from now on okay listen to what i have to say you forgot what i said Thankfully, i'm not jesus Luke 24, verse 22, they continue their lament and say, yes, and certainly women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. We're so surprised by what they found. Verse 23, when they did not find His body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said He was alive. This, this, this sounds so crazy. And these disciples are sad. Meaning, they're not believing the promises that Jesus made The revelation that's coming through women. Who would trust these women who went to the tomb anyway? Verse 24, And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But Him they did not see. Watch how Jesus deals with this. Because it's it's crucial for us standing on the cusp of 2020, standing on the cusp of what we believe it won't be long till Jesus comes back. It's crucial for us to know how we can discern what's going on on this planet. Jesus doesn't show up and show Him Himself. He doesn't work some miracle and just step in and instantly solve all the mysteries for them. He does have some strong words for them though. Verse 25, Then He said to them, O foolish ones, you're, you're acting like total fools here, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Then look at what He does. Verse 26, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And this is the verse I want to focus in on. So I just want you to read this with me. you ready? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Jesus could have gone in a lot of different ways. He could have figured out a lot of different options to give them the answers that they were looking for. To give them hope. To say, hey, no, 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 it's me. But He wanted for you and I to know something. That we don't need massive miracles to know that Jesus is with us and that He's alive and resurrected in Heaven. That we don't even have to see things going the way that we want them to go in order to know that Jesus is King on His throne. That we can look and our hopes may feel like they've been disappointed and dashed, and we can still trust in the prophecies of the Word of God. He took them back and began with Genesis. Maybe he went to Genesis 3.15 and and gave that promise about the seed that would come and crush the serpent's head. And and fast forwarded on through to to that prophecy of Balaam about a star that would rise and a scepter that would come in Judah. Maybe he he went on through Scripture and talked about Moses saying that there would be a, a prophet that would come who was greater than even Moses. Types and figures, symbols and signs throughout Scripture. That would have been a Bible study to experience. But the point of this is not how Jesus studied the Bible, but the fact that He wants for us to go to the Bible in order to have hope in Him. In order to know who Jesus is for us in the year 2020, we have the same Scriptures that He broke down to them on the road to Emmaus desire of ages page 799 says it this way the miracles of christ are proof of his divinity but a stronger proof than that a stronger proof that he is the world's redeemer is found in comparing the prophecies of the old testament with the history of the new you want proof that god is who he says he is you want proof that jesus came and did what he did what you really need, the strongest evidence that you need is to compare the Old Testament prophecies with the fulfillment that takes place in the New Testament. A guy by the name of Peter Stoner, a mathematician, did this with his math class. He got 600 students to calculate the probabilities and the odds of one person fulfilling even just eight out of all of the prophecies that were given about Jesus. And they came up with a number of something like 10 to the 17th power would be the probability of that taking place. It would be like taking uh, silver dollars and putting them over the state of Texas three feet high and then marking one of them with a little dot on it and then being able to randomly pick it out of that huge pile of silver dollars all over the state of Texas there 's an incredible reality in that it wasn 't just eight prophecies it wasn 't just sixteen prophecies, but likely a lot of people say there 's about three hundred prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus in the old testament uh, from the old testament and Jesus himself had said time and time again before this that, that they should look to these prophecies into the Old Testament. Luke 16, verse 31, and He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rise from the dead. The the resurrection itself, He says, of, of a human being is not great enough evidence if they won't believe what Moses and the prophets have to say. John 5, verse 46, for if you believed Moses, you would believe Me, for He wrote about Me. When Moses was writing the Torah, when he wrote those five books, he was writing about Me. That's why earlier in the chapter, he said, you search the Scriptures for in them that you think that you have life, but these are they which testify of Me. And yet, you won't come to Me that you might have life. If we want to know the direction forward in 2020, if we want to walk with Jesus in 2020, we can experience what He gave to the disciples, and that is to read the Word of God, to read the Old and New Testament and find there revealed a Savior and best friend named Jesus. Luke 24, 28 continues, then they drew near to the village where they were going and he indicated that he would have gone farther. He, he said, I'm just going to keep going. It was late in the day. The sun had set. Everybody was going back to their homes And if we'll not invite Jesus in 2020 to walk with us, He's a gentleman and He won't force Himself into our lives. If we want to be absorbed with everybody else's commentary on the world, if we want to be absorbed with our social life, our work life, if we want to be absorbed with everything but Jesus, He's not going to force His way into our lives. He'll do everything possible to grab our attention. He longs for that friendship to be developed, but He doesn't force His way in. But they constrained Him saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And so He went in to stay with them. All we've got to do is give that invitation. He says in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll come in and I'll I'll have a meal with them. So he goes in to stay with them in verse 30. Now it came to pass, and this is fascinating, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread and blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. There's this significance throughout Jesus' ministry of, of coming into a social gathering with people. And this morning, we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper. In remembrance of that, that day when Jesus, a few days before, He went with the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. When Jesus went into a, an upper room and blessed bread and said, take, eat, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. But you look throughout His ministry and, and, and people would say, this guy is, is, is a glutton. He eats with tax collectors and sinners. He's always interacting with people on a social level. Why does He come so close to people? Jesus wants to walk really closely with us in 2020. He wants for us to know Him as a a friend. If we'll only open the door, Revelation 3 says, He will come in and dine with us. So he goes, he blesses the bread, and it's in that blessing of the bread, it's in that breaking of the bread, in that familiarity with what Jesus always did for them. In that moment, then their eyes were open, and they knew Him, and He vanished from their sight. There's something special about celebrating the Lord's Supper. When, when we celebrate this memorial of Jesus, it opens our eyes, and it reminds us, really, of what He taught us in John chapter six, that we're to eat His flesh and drink His blood. And, and when the disciples were confused by what that meant, He said, "My my words are the the flesh that you need to eat. My 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 words are spirit, and they are life. God is longing." for people to be hungry for Jesus. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God is longing to open our eyes. He's longing to give us 20-20 vision, and He's longing to do it through the Word of God. And look at what took place in their lives, verse 32. And then they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while He talked with us on the road, while He opened the scriptures to us? Weren't, weren't we so excited? Weren't we so filled with joy, with hope? Our hearts were just burning with this passion to understand more about this good news. Do you feel that way about Jesus and His Word today? I for myself want more of that heart burning. I for myself want more of a heart longing, a heart hungering for Jesus, a thirst for Him. I want for my heart to be set on fire. I want it not just for myself. I want it because I want to have the same passion that they have. They don't finish, they don't even start eating the meal that Jesus has just blessed. It says, so they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. This is in the night. They're running back that eight miles going back as fast as they can, their steps are no longer filled with sorrow. They're no longer saddened by all that's taken place because now they recognize that Jesus has done everything that they hoped He would do and infinitely more than that. That He is resurrected. That He is alive. And they're going back to tell this incredible message. Their hearts are on fire because they've come in contact with Jesus as revealed in the Word of God. Verse 35, and they told about the things that had happened on the road and how He was known to them in the breaking of the bread. They said, you've got to understand that Jesus revealed Himself through the Word of God, through the Old Testament. And then He blessed that bread. And when He blessed that bread and He broke it, we knew it was Jesus. We recognized who Jesus is. Then on, Jesus appears to the disciples a little bit later in the chapter, and and He says to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning Me. He wants them to understand that, that everything is taking place just according to what was predicted in the Bible. And He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. This is my prayer for you and for me in 2020. That Jesus will do this for us. That He'll open our minds a little bit more fully to comprehend the Scriptures. This past week, I had the, the opportunity um, to get something done that I hadn't had done in about 15 years. And I, I got to go and get an eye exam. I went to Costco and, and sat down with an eye doctor. And as I was there... Um, they have all these crazy machines there. There's like this one that you look at and she didn't tell me what it did or why I'm doing it. All I see is this road and this tiny little um, uh, hot air balloon off in the distance. She said, okay, good. Now the other eye and I get the other eye. I don't know what she's doing. And the next machine, she's like, okay, everybody loves this one. And then it starts puffing air in your eye and you're like, ah, why are you doing this to me? And then there's another machine where they took a picture of my eye in, in detail and looked, at, I guess, at the optic nerve. And then finally you get to go back in the back and you sit down with the doctor. As you're sitting there with the doctor, uh, she begins to ask, can you see that clearly? And as I'm looking, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I can make that out. How about T-R-V-O-P-Q? She's like, okay. Now try the other eye. <laughs> uh, Oh, wow. <laughs> it was much clearer with my left eye than with my right eye. I thought, oh, uh-oh. So then she begins to do these things, and you've probably done it a thousand times. I've I've only done it probably twice in my life. And she begins to, to show me, does this one look better? What does this one look better? Does this one look better, does this one look better? What is this one? One or two? One or two? Finally, she got it down and she said, okay, how does this look? Look through with both eyes. I'm like, yes! Okay, good. I can see clearly now. I'm focused now. That's what I was looking for. She's like, okay, now this is what it looks like with your natural vision. Oh, okay. And now this is what it looks like with the glasses. Oh, okay. So I guess my vision isn't 2020 anymore. I guess I don't quite see quite as clearly. And she said I don't really need glasses except for, for maybe night driving possibly and, and distance. It really wasn't very bad but I could tell an incredible difference. I could tell the fact that I could see more clearly when I was looking through the right perspective. Jesus is longing to give us a clear perspective of Him in 2020. He's longing to give us a clear perspective of world events, and we're going to see that as we look through the lens of Scripture. You're not going to see it looking any other way. Jesus isn't going to just show up and give you all the answers. But He's already given you the Word of God. And he's going to give you inspiration through the Holy Spirit to understand as you look to it. Signs of the Times, October 17, 1892 says, Satan is seeking to veil Jesus from our sight, to eclipse His light. For when we get even a glimpse of His glory, we are attracted to Him. When we can just see Jesus, it attracts us, it draws us in. If we can only behold Him in all of His beauty... We can only realize who He really is. We'll be like the disciples running back to Jerusalem saying, we've got to tell the whole world how good Jesus is. Oh, if we would by faith draw nigh to God, we would no longer stumble along grumbling and mourning and covering the altar of God with our tears. We'd no longer be going with, with faces that are sad, but we would have joy in knowing who Jesus is. If we would behold Jesus believing His words, we would reflect the image of Him who has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. And what a wave of glory would flow back from earth to heaven. The Word of God must be exalted. Neglect it not. It is the highest folly to keep out of sight the manna for which the world is starving. So in 2020, I hope that you'll hear every Sabbath that we'll look at the Word of God together. But here's the thing. It's not enough to hear somebody else tell you about the Word of God. It's not enough to to go to the eye doctor and have her show you through that you've actually got to go and get the prescription for yourself. You've actually got to wear the glasses. You've actually got to look through for yourself to taste and see that God is good. Jesus is longing for you to see Him clearly. He's longing for for you to, to, to see Him in all of His beauty and all of His glory. Which is better, one or two? Do you want to see Jesus in all of His glory? Do you want to see Him revealed to you in 2020? Then follow what He did to, for the disciples on the road to man. Open the Word of God and read it for yourselves. Uh, This year, I'm excited about something that's my own little personal journey that I want to invite any of you to participate in. There's a guy by the name of Robert Mishane who lived for 29 short years back in the 1800s. And he had a passion for his church congregation to come in contact with Jesus. In fact, his memoirs are read by pastors around the world because... He lived such an incredible life, and he was only a minister for six years, but it made such an impact. And it wasn't necessarily his sermons. It wasn't necessarily what he wrote. But the biggest impact has been the fact that he designed a plan for people to read the Bible through each year. This is some things from Robert Mishane. He said, never see the face of man till you have seen his face, who is our life, our all. He so said, when you wake up in the morning, don't Don't look at anybody else's face until you've seen the face of Jesus for yourself. He said this, learn much of the Lord Jesus. For for every look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. He is altogether lovely. (laughs) Don't just look at yourself. Look to Jesus. He said this, a calm hour with God is worth a whole lifetime with man. (laughs) A calm hour Is worth a lifetime of time with with man. I want to experience the beauty of looking into the face of Jesus as we remember Him today through communion, as we participate in what He said to do to remember Him. I want to make a commitment to participate more fully on a day-to-day basis and not living by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Which is better? One or two? I want to see Jesus more clearly. And I want to invite you, if you would like to participate with me in this journey of reading through the the plan that that Mishane has put together or of doing something else. There's something fascinating from this story with with, uh, the disciples walking along to the road to Emmaus. They were talking about Jesus. You find that that when Mary and Joseph left the Passover, they left Jesus behind because they were distracted by all the social interactions and not thinking about Jesus and where He was at. But, with Cleopas and his friend, Jesus came up and walked with them because they were talking about Jesus. They were confused about who Jesus was, but they were talking together about Jesus. And one thing that I found that really helps me is I make... Uh, plans and, and ideas for how I'm going to read the Bible in the coming year is to invite other people to be a part of it with me. So I want to invite you, one, to consider the machine reading plan for yourself. You can find it online, or if you text this, or actually if you email me, I'll put that up too. If you email 2020 to PastorZachPage at gmail.com, I'll send it to you that way. But I also, in this, don't just want to uh, give you your specific reading plan. You can do it however God leads you to do, obviously. It's got to be something personal. It's got to be something that you know Jesus is calling you to. But what I want to encourage you to do is to take time with Jesus every day. To take time to eat of His Word every single day. That your heart can be transformed. The sad reality is, a sermon will never change your life. Even if there's far better preachers who come in here, Sermons will not change your life in the same way that daily contact with the Word of God will do. Coming in contact with Jesus on your own is where it's at. We want revival in this church. We want our hearts set on fire. And I pray that it will take place through what takes place in church. But more than anything, it's going to take place when we're sitting at the feet of Jesus. If you decide to be a part of uh, texting uh, this group, this will be something where Uh, we'll set up a regular encouragement system for you. It can be personalized to you. It can happen on a monthly basis or if you want it more frequently than that. To encourage you and to ask you how it's going in your personal walk with Jesus and to give you ideas, uh, about your devotional life. Uh, if you text that number, we'll give you the machine reading plan and some other possible resources for you to, to engage in, in your devotional life. Because I don't know exactly how to go about it, but I have the same burning passion that machine had, that we would become people who sit at the feet of Jesus. Who don't look on another face until we've looked into the face of Jesus. That Jesus becomes absolutely everything to us. There's a few resources, too, as you leave today that are on the back table there. If you want a a, a paper resource, there's Revived by His God's Word, Word, a little uh, booklet that can give you practical ideas about reading the Bible. There's a bookmark that gives you some helpful information about uh, how you could subscribe to a daily email that'll give you a Bible chapter and some Bible commentary from the Conflict of the Ages series. Um, There's this excellent book that we... Some of you have already read, but some of you may not have taken it yet for yourself, as light lingers, basking in the Word of God. Whatever it takes, whatever resources you need in order to come into contact with Jesus, that's why this church exists. So tell me what you need, and we will do our best to provide that for you. These are available for you in the back as you leave today. Um, but today, we want to see Jesus more clearly. Just like Cleopas and his friend, or maybe it was his relative because they went in the same house when they sat at that table with Jesus. Across the table from Jesus, Jesus blessed that bread and He broke that bread and, and they saw the nail prints in His hand and they recognized Jesus in the breaking of bread. And this morning, we have the privilege of breaking bread together. Of washing each other's feet. Of participating in what Jesus said, do this in remembrance of Me. And whether or not you've experienced this before, or whether or not it's been a special thing to you before, I want to invite you to consider being a part of it today. This is an opportunity for you to see Jesus a little bit more clearly in a really practical and personal way as we participate in the communion service. Father in heaven, I pray that you give us 2020 vision. God, we want to see you more clearly. God, words come so short of describing all that You long for us to experience. But God, we see in the the predictions of man that, that it comes far short. Our visions of the future, our visions of glory are so pale in comparison to the reality of what You have for us. Lord God, I pray that we would see Jesus more clearly than ever before As we go through this service, Father, I pray that Jesus would be lifted in our hearts and that we would be sealed in our commitment to get to know You on a daily basis. Thank You, Father, for blessing us as we go through this service. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.